going to turn to Philippians chapter number 1 tonight. Philippians chapter number 1. Philippians chapter number 1 tonight. Tonight will be a little bit of a sermon slash Bible study. And uh, I don't think it's real rambunctious, but, but I want to uh, share some of the visions of my heart. And um, something that all of us I need tonight, all, all of us, I believe, is God people. And just one of those reminders is good for us. And uh, we have a wonderful example in our text, and that's just the grace of Paul. And what a work of grace God did in his life. And what an example of Christian maturity for all of us. Our text verse is uh, is, is uh, going to be here in chapter 1. And um, uh, I'm going to... I'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll back up and start reading at the beginning of this chapter in the introduction. Why don't we just stand together and uh, let's, let's just read the pertinent verse, especially to our, our text tonight, tonight. And then I've got to back up, get about 17 verses, run and start to jump to our text verse in verse number 18. What is our text and from whence our topic will come? Why don't we just read this, this one together? And then give you some introductory thoughts as we start message. Philippians 1, verse number 18. Together, please. What, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So Paul, he makes some observations in the verses that lead up to this. He says, so what are we going to miss? What, what then? What are we going to do about this? Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, sincerely or insincerely, Christ is preached. That's a good thing. <laughs> now therein do rejoice. Yea, and I will rejoice. So I want to speak to you on that little phrase, in pretense or in truth. Father, bless now the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. And may the spirit of this great Christian, may we be able to dissect it a little bit tonight. And may we aspire to have the same outlook and humility and desire that the Apostle had. And so may this be just a have a, a spiritual birthday and grow a little bit as we, we take these things to heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. We're reading verse number one. Paul and Titus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace God on our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Paul had written several letters to the churches. Church Corinth, for example, we know the first of those two letters was a hot, scathing letter. He was dealing with misuse of the gift of tongues. He was dealing with uh, uh, bickering and fighting and divided loyalties. He was dealing, uh, dealing with open fornication in that church. And it was a rake them over the kind of a letter. Be what you th- if it was a sermon, it would have been a hot sermon. <laughs> and and uh, that's the kind of letter it was. And he came back in the second letter uh, uh, in, in Corinthians, and he has a different tone. He said, I want to discourage you folks. In, how am I, I going to encourage you by discouraging my encourager? And, and then he commends them, and he says, now that you come too far, this man got right with God. Y'all need to love him. And so he's um, correcting in some summons, but, but uh, a different tone uh, to, to the letter. Uh, they wrote to, uh, two letters to the church at Thessalonica. They all excited, thought they'd minister in the middle of the tribulation, and he had to help help them with that and so forth. Did a lot of teaching. The book of Philippians is unique in this. It's really a thank you letter. It's what, what it is. The apostle Paul received a great offering, a very generous offering that was brought at the hands of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus almost died only to deliver this offering to Apostle Paul. The apostle Paul is now in Rome, and he is. Uh, there was a there was a, a special uh, a guard in Rome, as his empire grew. The imperial guard. These were elite soldiers, and uh, they guarded the emperor. Was under the rule of 
wicked, vile Nero. And uh, so, uh, uh, so Nero, it says Caesar, emperor of Rome. Paul is under arrest and he's literally uh, chained to an imperial guard for the next eight years. In a prison. Historians identify that as called the Mammoth Prison, which you can visit. I've never been to seen it, but uh, it's, it's what light it comes in from the window top. And he's chained for two years to a soldier. The theme of Philippians is rejoicing. Rejoicing. There's rejoices all over over this book. And written in a prison cell. He is in a good state of mind. And he's thinking of the people. He says again in verse, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all make requests with John. I'm praying for you. And it's my way to do so. I have such fond memories of you. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day till now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath been a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What encouraging words those are. Here's let me paraphrase it. I believe in you at Philippi. I believe in you. And, and uh, I, I, God started something there and God's going to keep it going. So some good things happen at Philippi. Remember, remember the judge got saved and all, all of his family saved? He is that close in his life. He was ready to commit suicide. In the motion of falling upon his sword. And, and Paul said, oh, well, stop, stop, do something, no harm. And he did go aside. He got saved in an instant. Amen. And it's this old house. And some good things happen in that place. Verse 7. Amen. As it is meet for me, beautiful, uh, uh, fit for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. That's a sweet statement. Inasmuch as both within my bond, the defense and confirmation possible, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly. I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul missed God's people did. Stuck in a jail in Rome, chained to prison guard. Would uh, love to be with these dear friends of his. Verse 9, and this I pray that your love, love bound yet more and more knowledge and in all judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent. You may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ, being filled with all with the fruit. Excuse me, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ and the glory and praise of God. But I would, would you should understand, brother, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance gospel. Speaking of the journey that took the Apostle Paul here. Paul had such a vibrant, fruitful ministry, church planting ministry, many thousands, hundreds of thousands, coming to Christ and multiplication of God's people in these places where he had been and churches that he had planted, works just exploding and the gospel spreading out. It seems sort of a, why in the world would God let that happen to the apostle when he was arrested, made, made his little seizure? And began a long journey to Rome and basically taking off, taking off the missionary circuit, if you will. But he said, he says, you know, if you, if you think, he said, all these things that have happened unto me have fallen out rather than to the first uh, furtherance of the gospel. One of those things that fell out to him, he was porting in his, in his uh, Roman uh, prison guard. Uh, asked to capture if we sail. And Paul said, you better not sail. He said, God's already told me there's going to be a storm. The captain said, I'm the man, you're the land lover. I'm the one who decides. And, and he told the, the guard, he said, we, 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 I think we ought to sail. The guards said, let's sail then. And they ran into a storm. For 14, 15 days, as I recall, the said it. And literally, the, every, they lost everything, dumped everything overboard, the mast of the, of the ship, and the ship was, was to the waves of the sea, and every one of them thought that they were going to die. And God came to Paul in prayer and said, tell everybody they're going to live. Paul got out up on deck and said, men and brethren, good news. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> you're going to live. Amen? Now, you're going to lose everything. We're going to make it out with our lives. Amen? And, uh, and they landed on, on this little island. And that little island got born again. Revival took place on that island. The leader there then got saved. <laughs> that would never happen if they hadn't been blown off horse. And then they go on and on in their journey. Finally, they get to get to the real sitting in the Mammoth Timpson. 
And she says, these are good things that happen. And they've fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. And God does take different things in our lives and He uses them, doesn't He? That's just a sweet thought. Verse 13. So that my, my bonds in Christ are manifested in all the palace and in all the places. He said, everybody at home knows who I am. I mean, where I'm at. Everybody knows that my bond meant by being arrested. Verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word out of fear. I mean, the apostle Paul is in this mammoth prison changed to these imperial guards. He is not uh, timid. He's not silent. He's winning them to Christ. We will learn later that many in Caesar's household come to faith in Jesus Christ prisoner to imperial guards. For two years, he's a full witness in this prison house and revival is happening. Nero hated Christians. Nero would eventually the head off the apostle Paul. His own staff is getting born again and their lives are being changed. What a great, great man. Others are emboldened by Paul's prison testimony. And they, as the verse says, uh, are waxing confident, growing more confident by my bonds. You see, I'm, God's using me, me when I'm a little revival of the house. I think about Lester Olaf when he went in and, and arrested him and arrested him because he wouldn't take a license because he said you, the, the state can't uh, license the church. And he's still right about that, by the way. The state can't license the church. Uh, 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 it's out of state's business and vice versa. Uh, the church runs the church, state runs, and 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 so they arrested him, put him in jail, and then he went in there and had a revival. Amen. <laughs> he knew most of the people in there and had a Bible study, won a bunch of them to Christ. Anyway, others were waxing more confident because of Paul's uh, uh, imprisonment, his his spirit and attitude to his imprisonment, and so others are now in the verse four much more bold to speak the word without fear. Verse 15, the tone changes. Some <laughs> indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. And some also of good will. One preached Christ of contention, not sincere, supposing to add actions, affliction to my bonds. They, they want to get their, their dig. But the, the other love, Knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Paul was, was a leader. He was a strong leader. He had many loyal followers. He was loved by many. But like every strong leader, he had enemies. And I say this, if you are a mover and a shaker, and not just in spiritual, but in any realm, business realm or whatever. If you're a mover and a shaker, you will eventually disturb a downy nest along the way. Success elicits admiration and praise and sometimes even adoration, but it also elicits enmity and jealousy and even animosity. And Paul was one of those guys that when you called his name, you either or pucker. Because you either get getting ready to big smooch or black eye, one of the two. You either love Paul or you hated Paul. Some of these were believers. Some of these were preachers. Some of them didn't, didn't like Paul too much. Didn't like his ways. Didn't like his style. And Paul recognizes this. He says, some did preach Christ even of him life. Some of good will. Some jealous of Paul. There was a rivalry, if you will. Quite quickly, some who preached the gospel thought to take advantage of Paul's influence while he was in prison. Paul won people to Christ every went and some, some of those in, we're going to help some of these churches. Perhaps that, uh, and that this, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm reading between the lines now. This, this didn't come out of the Bible, but it came out of uh, the Shook, Shook Virgin. Uh, but some, some of these men, uh, Paul probably came in, and, you know, Paul said, I don't want another man's foundation. And Paul wanted some of those men went in there preaching the gospel now. They're preaching the truth, but they want to come in and be on the back of someone else. What and Paul recognized this, and, 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 and he persisted this out. Uh, so someone take advantage of Paul while, uh, his, and his influence while he was in prison. They started to build something while, while Paul was detained. Their motives, it seems clearly, as we read this passage, were wrong. 
But, but Durbin was right. And Paul says this. Look at it again. Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ. Stop right, right there. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's a good thing. Amen. We preach Christ who was crucified and risen from the grave. We preach oh, right? So look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ. Even of envy and strife. Is that a good reason to preach Christ? No. Is it still good to be wise? Yeah. Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife. And in some also will. The one is Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Now, I'll be honest with you, that's, that's a really easy attitude. <laughs> that's a lot of Just because you are jealous or whatever. Had some kind of with the apostle. Well, maybe, maybe he read it the wrong way. Maybe they stepped on their toes or something. And they thought, well, we're going we're to sweep in and say, we're going to do him, do him arm or something like that. Not that bad place to be, to be a Christian. But it happened to the Pope. Some of these folks, they were doing a good thing. They did it. We'll show all old Polaire. Yeah. <laughs> Supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Verse 70, but the other love. I'm here preaching through Christ out of love. I've known that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Their spirit of love as they do the work for the Lord. He says, 18. What, what then? Look at me. What? 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 <gasps> it's like, it, remember, remember when the, the men came to Joshua, Moses? Remember when the spirit of God got taken from Moses and put on the 70 elders and they were filled with the spirit to help Moses? Judge the people. There was a couple guys who didn't come to the meeting. They, they were just out there by themselves and they were prophesying. And here comes uh, 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 the servant. <laughs> There's just these guys over there. And, over there. and they didn't come to the meeting. And most. They're they preaching the truth? Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're not. He's, okay, okay. Same thing happened when. when, 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 when uh, the same thing happened to John, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a huge following. He preached there uh, uh, up and down the Jordan River where he baptized. The Bible said they lived on the, down, uh, up and down the, the river. In the city, uh, they, they emptied it out. A whole region and thousands of people down there. And, and, and some, of, some of John the Baptist's disciples <clears throat> said, you know, you know that your cousin, your second cousin, he's not teaching, you know. And he said that your people are going over there to hear him, hear him now. They, they were coming to your family and going to their meetings. John said, he must decrease and I must decrease. Fellas, thank you for your jealousy for me, but you needn't be. I did a good thing. He's, I'm John the Baptist. Amen. It's okay if he has been better than me. Some were jealous of Paul. They were doing a good thing. The motives were less than pure. So they were what then? What are we going to do about this? We're out of Baptist publication. Send it to all the Baptist people who are shaking out everybody. No, no. He says, what about this? Notwithstanding. Basically saying this, I, I, I can't control that. Every way, whether pretense, some, some ill motive, some false pretense, some... Uh, uh, less than less than pure motive, or in truth, some completely honest, transparent, completely sincere. Whether they're in sense or in truth, Christ is preaching, and I then do rejoice. Amen. Yeah, and we'll rejoice. He said, "I thank God for that. I'm glad about that." Again, is preaching Christ a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing. It's better to do a good thing with motive, right? Of course it would. But a good thing being done, you know, Paul recognized, so these folks were outspoken about, they felt about the apostles of Paul. And that in the church, of course, went on on the, we follow Paul, we follow us, we follow Jesus. And, uh, and, and Paul had to try to straighten that crowd out. Probably some of them, that crowd right, right there, they like that letter. And they never go right. And, and uh, but anyway, uh, Paul said, you know what, the preaching that God, I, Thank God for it. 
Let me just give some observations tonight. Notice some spirit. Notice Paul's spirit. Paul is grateful. Paul is grateful. You know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful the gospels of being preached. Psalm 106, 5, Psalmist said, That I may see the good of thy chosen. You know, it's a bad place to be a Christian life where you, where, you, where, you, where you can't see the good going on around you. That's a bad place to be. I've told, told you this, and I don't think you better know who it is. Uh, because Jason got, got right with God about, about, about time ago. But anyway, I'm, uh, but anyway, but it's an old auditorium. It was packed in gym, standing only. No place to park. My man was trying to get to sleep with his family. He's faithful as a member. And trying to get to sleep with his family. And so the ushers were several other kids. So we got two seats over here. Maybe you and your wife sit there. Your, your kids there. And he grabbed his kids by my hand. And, goes, and he said, I'm going to leave it. And stomping out. And, and he said, here's what he said. He said, if I could come to church and sit with my family, I'm not the place. Now, let me tell you something. There are plenty of places where you could go and have, have a Amen. There's plenty of parking places. There's, so you could have your own pew. You could have it on it, stretch it out. Everybody, everybody could, whole family, one, each one could have it. Uh, look, look, if you go to a church, it's hard to find a seat. You know, that's a problem. That's a really good problem to have. Amen. I mean, that, that's something to rejoice about. That's not something to be cantankerous about. People stand at a ball. ball. People stand at a race. They stand in the room. The, 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 the book of Acts sat in the windowsill. Now, they didn't go so well for us. The sermon went long. <laughs> but, but hallelujah, God is from the dead. Amen. But what's the good? Everybody in Bible preaching to church to be for you and I a call for rejoicing. Amen. You know, here's the thing about it. It's all, all some of the favorite preachers of apostles. Some favorite preachers was, 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 was Paul. So, so spiritual, they didn't believe, they didn't worship me, and they just love Jesus only. <laughs> now, this is a little, a little personal, and I don't want to stir up something contradictory to the very thing I'm trying to emphasize tonight, but I'll take it with the spirit which I give it. The way I grew up, my, my dad. And my mom loved the Lord, loved ministry. And I know God called me to preach and put, put it in my heart to be in ministry. But, but humanly speaking, it was just a spirit of, you know, just love the Lord, love serving the Lord. It was, it was a happy place. Home was a happy place. And my ladies I grew up with, they always wanted to go to our house, you know. And, and uh, anyway, it just it was, it was a happy thing. It was a lot of negativity, a lot of... Uh, uh, we just, just didn't allow that negativity in, in our home, and I'm out for that. So I was a little bit naive about God's people, quite frankly. And many, many men of God I loved and, and, and admired, and went off to Bible college, and there was quite a sampling of different men of God. I got to hear preach on college chapel for some reason, and uh, loved one of them, just thought everyone wants peanut butter. And I lived in a little bubble, quite frankly, until I got into the ministry. And I found out some of the preachers, I've been bold, some of them wouldn't spit on, spit on me. Sort of like Peter and Paul. We stood him to the face. And don't worry about that. that. Don't, don't fret over that too much. It's just, that's always been that way. I had been here just a few months and, and knocking on doors and family church and so forth. But they had a family member from, not, not in our church, but a family member that had, had passed away. And they said, we, we kicked it to the funeral services. So I had one funeral while I was in Bible college. And so this is, it was our first one, but it was one of the very first ones. And so I am a site form. And uh, I had three pastors in my life. Dr. Uh, Dr. Settle, I was, I was saved under. Then, then my father and Dr. Jack House was, was my pastor for seven years. I was on this platform. Somebody's there singing amazing, amazing, whatever they're singing. There's, there's two men. I have a port, part in the service, and another man has part. I've never met the man before, but a bad church. Never met the man before. And I am uh, I'm sitting... Uh, up on the platform, the special's going on, switch places with me. I'm sitting on the platform. No, no, I'm sorry, sorry. I gotta get a little straight, straight, straight on my head. Sitting here, waiting my, my turn. That's, this, this is, alright, I'm, 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 I'm the, the other preacher. And, and I feel that. Flat. And so I turn around. It's man, I, I just, I, I jam him. I don't know him from that. He goes, how's that? I'm thinking, Jack, who's Jack? Jack, Jack, who? He said, how's Jack? I 
Is that a family member? He said, Jack Owls! Now, I loved my pastor. And guess what? My blood pressure started to rise. I was like, seriously? It was too smart, Alec. And I'm, I'm at, we're at a funeral. I never met you, sir. I knew the tone. He said, I guess he's about ready to kick your bucket, huh? So I turned and said, he baptized 15,000 last year. I hope he doesn't kick it too soon. Now, you, you know what? That, that's exactly what Paul was talking about. Preaching Christ of envy and You say, what should we do about that? Thank, thank God, brother, for preaching the gospel. <laughs> and thank God, God to be my best friend. <laughs> Paul said this. I rejoice. You know what he's saying? I'm not going to let that affect my spirit. I'm fully aware that there are people who are actually kind of glad I'm in prison, try to take advantage of the fact locked up and want to go build on the foundations that I need. And they're preaching Christ of envy and strife. He said, you know what? I thank God for it, Christian. What a Christian. Not only did he say, I, I'm grateful, I'm, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to... Uh, let it affect my spirit. He says this. Look at the verse here. He says, Some preach Christ, first number 50. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. One preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposed to add added to my bonds, but the other love, knowing that I say for the defense of the gospel. Here it is. But then, notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense against truth, Christ is preached. I therein do rejoice. Here's what he's saying. I, I am not going to let this affect my spirit. Then he says, yay, and then will rejoice. And he says, I'm determined to keep my good attitude. <laughs> he didn't say I rejoice. He said I rejoice and I not rejoice. I'm not going to let this affect my spirit. I'm going to keep a good spirit. I'm going to keep a good attitude. I don't know about you. This, this is so good to me. Paul was saying some things into this passage. These are just mob speeches. I, Paul was saying this. Look, you Philippians, you've been so good to me. You've been so generous to me. Your love, your love and loyalty to me has been so clear given to me. Been so generous to me. He said, I thank you for that. I love you. you I, I got always in my heart and I pray for you and I think about you and you made encouragement to me. He said, he said, you know, but I've learned something. I don't have to be everyone's favorite person. I think I should be everyone's favorite person. You're supposed to select that. I don't have to be everyone's favorite person. I'm picking fall, right? He says, I don't have to be everyone's favorite person. He's saying this, that the cause is bigger than my reputation. The cause is bigger than my reputation. Now, I'm with you. I'd be scared to death to treat men of God. I know some who have treated men of God. I'd be scared to death. I'd be scared to death. I've had folks spew out, out poison to me about some preacher. And I said, can I ask you a question? Have you ever met that man? Have you ever sat in his church? Have you ever been in his ministry? How is it that you know so much about him? And you never even met him. Well... Whatever they're mad about, you ought to be mad about if it's true. Just because somebody told somebody who told somebody told somebody that that doesn't make it. Tail bearers separate you from friends, the Bible says. Paul said this, I rejoice. It's not affecting my spirit. I will rejoice. I'm going to keep a good attitude. And I don't need to be every every person. The cause is within my reputation. Paul was saying this, my attitude is my decision. I choose to rejoice. He said, I will. I will. I won't go back through the list. I've read it to you a hundred times. 
I will pray. Pray. I will sing. I will sing. I will praise. I will be glad. I will sing. I will praise. I will sing praises over and over and over again. I got the list here in the back of my mind. <laughs> and the Paul, the, the Paul, like David, like the, the psalmist. It is a good attitude is an exercise of the will. A good attitude is in a mood. It is a decision that you, you make no matter what the circumstances of your life. Paul, oh, he's chained to, to a guard. He's chained to an elite soldier. He's got thousands of God's people out there. And then he's in jail and trying to take advantage of him and trying, trying to do something despite it. He says, I've got a good attitude. And by grace of God, I'm going to keep a good attitude. I think Paul is saying this. I don't ever want the mission or my part in it to be about me. I don't even want the mission or my part in it to become about me. Lastly, I think he says, and don't worry, I'm going to spend a little bit on this last point. <laughs> Lastly, I think he's saying this. Look at, look, look at the verse, verse 18. What then? What am I supposed to do about this? Notwithstanding. Every way. Look look at it. Whether in pretense or in truth. Look at it. This is what he's saying. I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know if they're trying to spite me. I don't know. Sincere. I don't know. Whether it's pretense, truth, whether they're doing this to get their digs in, whether they're doing this because they really care about so, so I don't know. I'm just glad Jesus Christ is being preached. Here's his, his last part. I'm poor at judging motives. I'm poor at judging motives. Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Paul's saying this. I don't know really how they're doing it. I don't really know. You know, it's sad, but... but I enjoy guessing too much. I think I'm pretty good at it. But I would just speak to you. My nature is such how I like to size up those motives. Try to figure out who's sincere and who's not sincere. But the truth is, I'm not real, real good. When it comes to motives, all we can do is guess. Three times Jesus has said these words. Judge not. Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Verse 37. Judge it and ye shall not be judged. And John 7, 24. Judge not according to the appearance but righteous judgment. Now sometimes... People will take these verses because they don't understand the scripture. I'm going to explain to you. And they say, hey, anytime you point out something wrong, they say, you're judging. You're judging. It's like, it's like hey, man, uh, you know, your, your shoe's untied. You're judging. <laughs> That's not a judgment. Hey, man, you ran the stop sign. Stop judging me. Hey, man, take your foot out of here. You're not supposed to see your foot Quit judging me. Look. Hey. Uh, when God said judge not, he's not talking about judging. I can look at someone, someone's ass and say, he ran around red. Like it was red. But here's what he's saying. Judge not, not primarily two things. We could, we could delineate this much more, but, but primarily two things. One, that phrase judge not means stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Romans 14, 4 says this. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? Who do you think you are making a judgment call about someone else's servant? That's not your place. Let's, let's add some extra words to help us supply it. Who art thou that judges another man's child? Who art thou that judges just another man's spouse? Who art thou that judges another man's employee? What, what I mean by this, stay in your lane. Judgment in you and I get outside our areas that God has given us. 
authority is ordained of God. Romans chapter 10, the powers, B-O-W-E-R-S, the authorities, word exousia, which means the authority, the powers, the authorities that are ordained of God, whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. God. Delegated authority, the structure of delegated authority was ordained by God. And God has never had any other than depraved, wicked sinners to fill those positions of authority. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The only kind of president you'll ever have is, is a sinner president. only kind of pastor ever filled the pulpit is a sinner pastor. only kind of deputy sheriff that ever, ever pulled over is a sinner deputy sheriff. And we aren't they? Uh, <laughs> All authority is is delegated authority is human authority. That means it's not imperfect authority. And to judge not it's not me uh, 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 the, the, uh, that you 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 make no observations of actions. It just it means you do so in your own arena. I am to judge my children. I am to judge my house. That's my God given duty. I have to, I, I am to judge the church. I am to judge the sheep of this church. Hebrews makes it clear that I must account for that. And you, as a teacher in your classroom, listen to me, listen to me, it's your job to judge your classroom. It's not your job in someone else's classroom. It's your job as an employer to judge your employees, not someone else's. It's your job in your arena on your bus route, bus in, in that little Sunday school class, Sunday school teacher, in the Sunday school, Sunday school superintendent, youth department, youth, youth, youth director. It's your job to judge and make decisions. That's your job. Judging this means staying in your lane. Staying in your lane. As an employee, you have a dedicated area of responsibility. Keep your nose out of the other people's responsibilities. Teachers, keep your nose out of you know, the, the teachers. It's, it's just like it's, it's wrong for the kids to get their back, back, talk, back to talk in the back of their teachers. It's just as wrong for the teachers to get together and put their heads together and talk behind the back of the students. you got a conversation, you get that man involved, you get the parents involved, you take care of business. Amen. Judging is get, getting that out of you. Now, if you, if, 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 if you disobey this, this law, Judge three three things. Number one, anger. When, when you start judging the way the Sunday schools run, run the youth departments run, classes run, the way the school is run, the way whoever else is run, run, you start judging somebody else's ministry, the way they do their music, whether they do this or that. You start judging that. You know what you're, what you're going to be angry. That, that's not right. That's not right. right. Some of you got opinions in the nursery run. You don't even work the nursery. You got opinions about the nursery. Well, I was talking to so and so. Yeah, no, no. Gossip. Well, I heard it this school. Gossip. Why well, heard it? Gossip. Wait. Don't you understand? That's a tool of the devil. Tongue set on fire. fire the Bible said, "Stay." You want to help? Go join the Sunday school. Get you a Sunday school class. Help the bus ministry. Bus captain. Amen. Get involved. Take responsibility. He's just singing the world of critique what someone else is doing. Why don't you jump in there and try to raise this kid? You talk about purgatory. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Anybody think they got kids still outside of radio? How about you try it? Just mouth shut up and get you some kids and try it. See how it goes. By the way, you kids that think parents are so unreasonable doing such a terrible job. Just hold on a little bit longer. You'll get a chance. You'll get a chance. We'll, we'll see how you do when you have teenagers. Stay in your lane. Now, what happens if you don't stay in your lane? What happens is you get mad. Well, that's not right. They should do that. And you have power to change it because it's not your area. It's not your responsibility. And so you can go the way you think you've got to go, so you get mad. Listen, you, if you operate that that, that, that way, you'll run out of places to stand at. Don't take my red wagon again and go somewhere. After a while, there's no nowhere else to park your red wagon. Because you find out everybody everywhere is human beings. And what God said, they said, no, 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 stay in, in your area. Moses, he organized the plot. He, um, 
he got overwhelmed. The job got overwhelmed. So he got advice from his father-in-law. And he said, why don't you get in? He said, not all men have this capacity, but some men can judge a thousand. Some men could a hundred. Some some could judge ten. And so he got there. These men prayed, and God came upon them. And he gave them responsibility. And they had these errors. And it was too many decisions for, for the... Uh, for Moses, and so he said, "Look, he said, you're going to have, you're going to have a uh, uh, hundred men. And you're going to have ten, ten men, a thousand men, and so if you get stuck and you and you do ten men, there's something you handle. You go over here to the guy that's got a hundred, and if he can't, can't fix it, then he go over here to the guy that's got a thousand. If he can't fix it, he can bring it. and uh, and 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 thereby judgments were made with with areas of responsibility." If you get out of your lane, you'll be, number one, you'll be angry. Number two, you'll be frustrated all the time. Do you know what, what the, the, the nervousness in America? We, we, we are the wealthiest in the world and we're the most nervous nation in the world. We take more mind-altering drugs in America anywhere else on the planet and wealthier than anybody. You know why? Because everybody knows everything about everybody's business. <gasps> Did you see? What are you going to do about that? Gossip. There's nothing you can do about it. So what you've done, you've introduced yourself to a bunch of things you can't... Can, can, let me help you with something. When, <laughs> why do I want to know all of the degrading, dirty, nasty things my classmates from 40 years ago are doing today? So I've got a class that's really queer now. I need to know that. I really, really need to know that. i got enough to take care of my own life, keep myself straight, keep keeping my wife straight, keep keeping, I'm sorry. anyway, my household, my ministry. Maybe i got some leftovers. Uh, I'm really hungry after a while. You get my point. I hope you get my point. Stay in your lane. When, when you can fix something and you, you can't get it out of your mind, you're frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. I can, listen, I can understand somebody that's named in life on your way to heaven. You don't have to go to hell. You, you justified, declared, and you're not happy. How are you saved and not happy? How is that? It might be that you got your head full of a bunch of stuff. You fix. It's not business. And you got all these. It's like a computer. And like a computer, what happens when when <laughs> I lost some, some I lost this sermon? I lost this sermon. This is my second time outlining this sermon. And I I I, I use a window. This I went and worked worked. I worked on this another sermon. Maybe I'll give in the next few weeks and worked this sermon. Repeated it from eight, eight to eight. By the way, this version is even better than the first one, so it worked out. But it prepared it. Spent several hours on those, those two things. And I come back, back to the next day and I sit down, open it up, and, and I get ready to go print it off or whatever. And then my whole screen goes blank. And, and it's a frowny face. And the says, We're sorry. Da 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 da. Like, and then, you know, and things start twirling right, right there. And then it's, you know, 1% there. I'm, I'm like, So I hit the button. Bro, I need help with my computer. He's the guy to help my computer all these years. And he comes in and he gives me the sad news. Esther, you're using Windows. This is the last time you turned your computer off. I don't know. I just, it goes blank. I go out, come back in today. My little cursor, boom, it comes back. Well, come to find out, come to find out, those, what are that? Registry. Y'all know what registry is, right? <laughs> anyway, the registry gets all these documents or something, whatever. You got to turn the thing on, turn it back on to clear all that off. Well, that's, that's bogged down. In the last couple of days, it started glitching a little bit and it was getting real slow. And I thought, I need to say something about this. I never did. And, and I lost, I, I think it was two days. I really don't for sure how much I lost. But whatever opened on my computer got lost for a couple of days. Why? Why? I had a bunch of files up and I hadn't closed them. You know what happens when you go gather a bunch of information and it's none of your business? So what, you, listen, if you're spending more on Instagram and, and Snapchat and TikTok and, and Facebook than you are in the Word of God, you need to give every bit of that garbage. So I might miss something. No sales will tell you, trust me. 
But I had all these files open. And, and the thing got, got bothered. And if it finally it just cracked, it, it went bonkers. My computer had to be taken in for psychotherapy. It, it's not on antidepressants. And it's going to be six, six months. Listen, when, when you bring a bunch of problems in your life that you cannot fix, I can't fix someone else. I cannot fix someone else. Do you hear me? I can't, can't fix. But I got all, all the problems in my life. They're open files, and my 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 mind bogged down like a computer bogged down, and, and I become frustrated. The third thing that happens is pride. If you don't stand stand, you'll be angry. You'll be frustrated, and you'll be proud. You get to the place where you think all your opinions right, and I got news for you. They're not right because they're different than mine. mine, mine. That, that was supposed to be fun. <laughs> Thank you for that token. But it's true. We can get to the place we think all our opinions are right. Even point we convince ourselves that we're the only ones who even count right. Now that, that's the place to be. Let me say that again. We can get to the place when we start when we start meddling in other people's affairs. We have all these un these open files in mind. We get to the point we think all of our opinions are right, and at any point we convince ourselves we're the only ones who even care about, about right. That's a bad place to be. The second thing, number one, stay in your lane. Never, never two. Don't don't judge motives. Don't, don't judge motives. On 7.24, Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance. Judge not according to the appearance. Do not judge by how something looks, how it appears to be, how it seems to be. But rather, judge righteous judgment. First Samuel 15.7 says that God alone looks right. I can only look at the outside. I cannot look at the heart. Yet, what does it mean? That means man can only judge actions, not motives. I can only judge actions. Can't judge motives. I can judge that a man is going nine miles an hour down the highway. But can you judge why he's going 90 miles an hour down the highway? He might be full of dope trying to get from the authorities. Or he might be taking his wife to the mercy room. I can judge his actions, but I can't judge his motives. I, as a Christian, am responsible for my appearance. The Bible is clear about this. It's insane from all appearances of evil. It says, let your good be evil spoken of. I should not do something good in a way that might misconstrue as being evil. I'm not responsible for what I do according to Scripture. I'm talking about for myself. I'm not just just responsible for what I do. I'm responsible for how it appears. I'm responsible that it not be misread. I must do it in such a way, with such a spirit, that it would be difficult to misread my righteous motives. However, I am not to judge others their appearance. I'm responsible for my actions and for my appearance, but I am not to judge their appearance because the Bible says judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. I cannot tell you why someone does what they, they do. I am to judge actions within my own area. I am to judge myself by my peers. I should ask myself, is this a testimony? There's things that are not necessarily simple or wrong, but they'll make for a good testimony. I judge myself by appearances. Is this a good testimony? I am not to enter someone else's mind and heart and make a decision or have an opinion about why someone has done, done what they've done. And the Apostle Paul says, look, I know what goes on, but I don't know whether it's pretense, whether it's truth. I don't know. 
I'm just glad they're preaching the gospel. Amen. Amen. They make seven statements. Now, 21. Seven. God's people ought to pull for each other. Number two. God's people humble themselves and make it right when we falter. Let me tell you If you're wrong and you, all you do is gloss over you'll never reach your potential. If you're wrong, make it if you wrong somebody, somebody go to make it right. Get over with that. Look, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us all sin. Amen. Confess your faults. Another the Bible says. Number three, God's people are going to lift fallen. Somebody's down, we ought to be for them. We ought to help them. Amen. We ought not kick, kick people down. We ought to try to help, help them up. Number four, God's people exercise humility after the fall. I'm talking about an individual fall. If my... If I find ways with God or with someone else, if I stumble, if I fall, if I go into sin or whatever it is, I ought to exercise humility at that fall. I'm not talking about statement. I'm not talking about a fall humility. But I'm talking about listen. If I listen, if if I damage the name of Christ with a testimony, then I ought to be conscious of that. I'm responsible for my appearance, right? Close those on my close that. I'm talking about how I perceive, how I how my appearance. I'm responsible for that. The Bible says so. Don't you're good to be evil spoken of. If I stumble my fall, I would not want to harm the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, everybody ought to just forget it. I won't go on. Yes, you're right. We ought to forget it. But forgiveness to us is not the same thing. If you damn your name, if you damn your reputation because of your sin, look, look, just, you know nobody's ever said this to me. How come I can't wash, wash the trout here? But more than a few times, they say, well, how come, come I can fill in the blank that they want some kind of position? I'm not, I'm not saying wrong to want to be involved, a part, inspired, and lead. Well, listen, how about this? Can, can I pick up this cigarette by the parking lot? Nobody's ever asked me that. 27 nobody's ever asked me that. Can I please, 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 please talk? Now, I would come say, Pastor, I'm happy. I'll do what you want me to do. But listen, listen, if, 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 if in, in any way I have damaged the cause of the crime, my testimony someone, you know what? Humility. I've said this over and again. I hope you understand this. Humility will always magnify the grace of God. Pride will always remind others of our sin. Number five, God's people are to consider appearances of Christian service. Number six, God's people should not judge motives. And number seven, God's people should see the cause bigger than our reputations. How we stand. Father, thank you for Paul.